This is Donald Parham of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the LA Football Network. Stay tuned. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, Aura, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Charger fans, if you were hoping to tune into a Week 16 preview for the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Buffalo Bills, sorry to say that you've come to the wrong episode because we are not talking about that today. We are going to be breaking down all of the top GM candidates that Dan and I have filtered through, obviously with the news last week taking place with the release of Tom Telesco, firing of Brandon Staley, a lot of front office and head coaching changes that have obviously been made up until now. Interim GM Jojo Wooden has taken over the reins for these final three weeks. Interim head coach Giff Smith has taken over the head coaching reins for these final three weeks. But it is time, as we have said, for at least for me, the last couple of weeks now to start looking to 2024. And that's precisely what we're going to do because the interviews are going to start taking place here uh, in the next couple of weeks. But before we jump into all of these candidates, Dan Wolkenstein, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. I'm invigorated. The Chargers season has been has been historically embarrassing and disappointing. We've all talked about that. Don't need to go there. The last live show we did post-game was absolute mayhem. And feelings were had for rightly so. Rightfully so, yes. Rightfully, rightfully so. so. But it feels like the dawn of a new day in Chargers land, if you will. Now, they still got to get it right. But they did what I believe and what everyone felt was necessary needed to happen. They fired the coach. They fired the GM. We've talked about the reasons why. And now, while Giff Smith is talking about wanting to get three wins in a row, I think a lot of folks would probably wish for that not to happen. And if you look at the remaining schedule, it's pretty unlikely given they've got center three, QB two, wider. Like, it's not looking pretty. But currently, sitting at number eight for the NFL draft, Jake and I want to discuss today general manager candidates for the Los Angeles Chargers and one, why that is such an important job to pick the right guy for or gal. But two, why we think that it is important to do first, most likely, and what to look for before going into specific candidates. A lot of Chargers fans have seen things go south here for the last decade. And if you want to expand out, they haven't won a Super Bowl. So how can the Chargers get this right? What does this front office leadership all the way up to the chairman need to do? to bring a Lombardi trophy to Los Angeles for these chargers. Dan, before you got into that, cause I know you kind of dropped it in terms of just our own personal view of thinking, which hiring was going to take place first. Was it going to be the head coach? Was it going to be the GM? There's, uh, one any- exception. There's one exception to that, by the way, there's one person that the chargers brought in and no, it's not Bill Belichick. There's one person, which I think is probably the crowd favorite. Yes. That could be brought obvious. in. That could be brought in prior to a GM. I mean, I I still think that you could. could. Yes, I still think you could. But I wanted to take this quote from, if, if anybody happened to catch the article from Eric Smith, basically debriefing with John Spanos in terms of how this GM head coaching uh, hiring process was going to go. Spanos alluded that there was basically no decision in terms of what position was going to be filled first. This is his exact quote. I just want to make sure that we don't limit ourselves and say we got we have to get the GM first. It may end up being that way. He also said, if you look historically at what has happened in the league the last several years, there's been some team that has been able to execute a parallel path where you interview both at the same time. So that's certainly a possibility. Dan, I know you got to read that a little bit. But just hearing that quote out loud, does that does that sway you in one way or another? Does it just make you think like, okay, it could just be pandering at this point to say That's like, what okay, I we're going to be doing doing what, whatever it is we can. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I think that I think I, I'm that going was one direction, but I don't really have a GPS. I just eventually find where I'm going. <laughs> you know, no, I'm pretty sure they probably they have a strategy, but 
what that message was is we're open to anything. And there isn't one specific way we're going to do this. We're going to do everything, try to find the right person for the job. That's the way I took it. And you saw them talk about or field questions about there really is no budget for this. They want to pick the right person and they're going to look under every rock, like the whole nine. Like they're, they're saying the right things. We'll see. This Chargers team has gone through a lot and we have seen them struggle, valiant efforts, but we've seen them struggle. We've talked about this at nauseum in the past, but big picture critical issues this team has had that they need to fix with this GM specifically. The underbelly of this roster, Jake, you and I, since we have started a podcast, which is going into year five, we have talked about how unsustainably top-heavy this roster is and how much and how precipitous that drop-off is from the top guys to the rest of them. That has been one of the biggest things that has plagued this team is the depth of the roster has been brutal, meaning they haven't gotten draft picks right in later rounds. They haven't signed free agents that have been able to bring in to kind of help support that cast. They've had some injuries. They haven't been creative with trades within the free agency or draft. Trade. <laughs> that was a word <laughs> that did not exist with the previous regime outside of the Khalil Mack situation. Trading picks, trading in the draft, trading down. Yeah, those are words that did not compute. Player retention, player development, player health, all of that. The underbelly has been brutal. And that is why they rank pretty low when it comes to drafting, even with the high draft pick success. Not all success, but you can't just win on that. And if you haven't heard it, by the way, perfect timing. NFL Stock Exchange. Friend of the show, Trevor Stick about Connor Rogers. They do a fantastic job. They are epic at what they do, talking all things NFL draft. They just talked about the Chargers and how to fix the Chargers. And they were talking about like cap construction. This is like GM 101. And I don't know if you caught this, Jake, but the Chargers' top five players for 2024 cap hit. So, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, Joey, Joey Bosa, Bosa Keenan Mike Allen, Williams. Williams. Counted Elect- for what? Over, I think, was 50% of their 60-plus percent of the entire team's cap space. Five players. Yikes. Who's brought in matters, and they got their hands full. Jake, let's start with big picture. What type of GM, what criteria do you think is most important for the Chargers to be looking for? We have our list here, but for folks tuning in, the type, I think the mindset is important. Like, if you're building a GM from scratch, you're chiseling it out of rock. What does that look like? What are the qualities that they need to have? I think first off, you're, I mean, if you take Spanos's quote about factoring an experience to the head coaching search, I think the same can be said about what it is you're looking for in the GM. And then you start doing some homework and you're like, okay, well, who did these GMs spend time with? Who did they learn from? How long have they been there? In which positions as you raise up, go up the ranks in terms of, VP of op- football operations, assistant GM, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the intangible is, Dan, is it's collaboration. It's, it's the pairing that you want to find between head coach and GM that's going to ultimately make it successful. And those are, the, those are the best type of collaborations when it comes to building a roster, when you can share input like that when it relates to draft picks, when you can find someone who's been experienced with managing some of those free agent targets, using money wisely, being able to assess the talent of the roster and being able to build it out in its entirety, aside from the starting 22 guys that are on the field, build the depth beyond that, be able to hit on picks two through seven rather than just the first round all the time. So what type of GMs, we ask, would have that on the resume? You go to the teams that have drafted 
very well. Go look at the rosters that some of these teams have. Go look at the success some of these teams have historically, and not just a one-year blip. But look at it over a span of three, four, five, ten years. Look at the kind of consistency and the success of the organization as a whole. Like the things that were put in place that you've seen countless roster turnover, yet consistent success with the team. Where are those candidates? I personally, I'm not looking for GM candidates out of Houston. I'm not looking for candidates out of Arizona. I'm not looking for candidates out of the Raiders. I'm looking at candidates from proven successful franchises that have shown and have everything on paper where they don't have to say much. Go look at the proof of how successful they've been. Look at the Eagles. Look at the Niners. Look at the Ravens. Look at the Steelers. Look at the Chiefs. These types of organizations, this type of pedigree is what this team needs, in my opinion. So we have a big list here, and there are some obvious honorable mentions that we'll get to. But, Jake, I say we start. I say we start. So uh, first off the bat here, a guy who I think is on top of a lot of people's lists, and rightly so. He has a lot of success in the NFL. Proven. Jake, I believe this is your number one. Is it not? It is. Adam Peters, assistant GM out of San Fran. Jake, the floor is yours. Let's talk about our guy. I mean, just look at this resume here, Dan. You go back even just to the beginning of that bottom line, 2003 to 2008 for his time in the Patriots, getting a chance to be a part of that front office when they went through some of their almost undefeated seasons, <laughs> you know, but still <laughs> when the Patriots were the Patriots and were in the playoffs every year and winning their division every year. Then you move on to his time during the Broncos. That was that was back in their research with Peyton Manning and what they were able to do and build out that team. And you'll, you'll notice here, assistant director of college scouting, national regional scout, he had his pulse on how that team drafted for that period of time. And then, of course, eventually move up to director of college scouting. And then along with John Lynch in 2017, when everybody knows what the old regime was in the 49ers prior to 2017, even according to one name that I'm sure we're going to be mentioning on this show and many other shows here in the, for the next few weeks, the regime that was in San Francisco was not the best. And that was very, very publicized. And for John Lynch to come in here at the exact same time as Adam Peters and watch them transform this franchise from a personnel standpoint. And I'm not just talking about free agent signings because that's not just what it is. This team has built through the draft so incredibly well. And think about what this team is. When you think of San Francisco right now, and that roster and those games week after week, that's big bully territory. That's what this roster has been built by, largely Adam Peters in hand. And I almost want to use the Trey Lance pick in actually a good way, because yes, was the Trey Lance pick a, a whiff? Sure. But to think that they tr the draft capital that they traded away that away for Trey Lance and still are able to find a way to contend because they don't just rely on their first round picks to carry them. They know what <laughs> they know that there's seven rounds in a draft and they know how to properly evaluate the talent and they're able to build their roster out of that. The 49ers right now and for the last couple of years arguably have the best roster in the entire NFL. Adam Peters, I think, has put in plenty of experience. You see that there over 20 years of experience coming up on. And to build himself out the way that he's done through winning organizations through these years, I think I think Peters would honestly be a slam dunk no matter what head coach you pair him with. Talent evaluator, I think, is something that he can hang his hat on. You know, aside from the three Super Bowls, aside from the multiple AFC and NFC championship games that he has been to, 
nobody's had more all pro selections the last five years than Adam Peters, period. And you look at the organization that he built from the ground up, and you look at the organizations he's been with again, San Francisco winning, the Broncos winning, the Patriot Way back when they were the Patriot Way winning. It's tough to find a resume as good as Adam Peters. And I think that's why a lot of people have him as one of, if not their top, one of the top two or three in Chargers land. Proven winner, proven talent evaluator, proven culture. Bring that to LA with the right head coach. Establish an identity for this organization. Next up, Jake. This kind of feels like going like flipping the script. This kind of feels like going from a lot of <laughs> one we got one side of the pendulum to another a little bit yeah, in a certain is, respect. Yeah, and, and this is a name that I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have known aside from the fact that the Eagles are just a freaking juggernaut when it comes to talent evaluation. And I believe Halby, Alec Halby we're talking about, currently assistant GM for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he went to Harvard. Brilliant mind, very smart individual. Started off personnel assistant, excuse me, personnel analyst. Been with them the entire time, 2010 to 2013, all 13 years with Philadelphia Eagles. So he's seen this Howie Roseman thing. And go look at that roster that Philadelphia has. Go look at how creative that front office is with trades. Remember the Kevin Byard? trade everyone was like well how do you do that remember the aj brown trade jalen hurts has started into quite a stud on and on and on similar to this year maybe a little different they're kind of on a little slide here but philadelphia and san francisco i would say are probably two of the most bullish creative successful strategic or run organizations in the nfl again we're talking pedigree Alec Halaby, go look at his draft classes and tell me you don't see that looking pretty darn good in LA. And how could you not enjoy learning from arguably one of the best GMs in the entire league and Howie Roseman? I mean, this is a nice pedigree to build up from. And the fact that he's been there, and as you say, Dan, from where he's come from, and according to their team website, actually, he uses a... I don't know the specifics of it, but it, it more innovative as it relates to traditional and analytical styles of building out teams. So however you want to interpret that, it's it's kind of a little bit of the forward thinking, um, how that's going to translate when it comes to him eventually possibly getting a GM jobs. Obviously, time will tell on that. But Alec Halaby would be an interesting prospect just considering the fact that he has spent this much time in one organization that has shown continued results of building out rosters, winning, and of course, learning from Howie Roseman during that time. Absolutely. An analytics guy, forward thinking, you named it, cutting edge. And honestly, like he's part of an organization that is creative. Like, go look at the draft picks and what this team has done during draft days and pre post with draft capital. Like, that's huge. That's huge. One thing I think that is important as we kind of go through these, Jake, is kind of comparing and contrasting what some of these organizations with some of these guys at the helm, how they impact the success of a team through the draft. And we're gonna give we're gonna give more about this later, but one of the things that I think is a competitive advantage for a lot of these organizations is getting, and Jake, you talk about this all the time, like creative with trading down, accumulating assets, accumulating draft picks, so you have more swings to the plate. And a lot of these teams do that. And the Chargers do not. And this is the part that I think is lost. Hopefully not anymore. <laughs> this is the part that is lost and why that matters. If someone were to come to you, listeners, viewers, and say, hey, 
you're going to run an organization as a head coach or GM or whatever, but you're going to have 25% less draft picks than your competition. How's that sound? Sounds horrible. You're like, I don't want that. Hell no. That's the Chargers. The Chargers have less draft capital than a lot of other teams because of the lack of creativity. And we'll get into that more later on. But go look at the number of draft picks that they have had in the last five years. Compare that to teams like the Ravens, like the Cowboys, like the Eagles. Dan, it's also the amount of draft selections beyond round one that are getting signed to second contracts. Between rounds two and seven, the Chargers only gave four con- second second contracts to those rookies. That's over an 11-year period. Between round, Let me say it again. Between rounds two four. and seven, four. Tom Telesco gave a second contract to four players in that 11-year span. That is not wise <laughs> roster building. <laughs> that is not sustainable. That is terrible. That is terrible. <laughs> Good day, sir. Uh, I, had, I had mentioned it weeks ago. You just go back and you, you look at the draft before Justin Herbert was here. The 2019 draft, the only two people that you have left on that roster right now are Trey Pipkins and Easton Stick. Reality as far as contributors go. That was the Jerry Tillery draft. That was a Nasir Adderley draft. That was the Drew Tranquil draft. There were a couple other ones in there, but they weren't ones that either made a huge impact or ones that you deemed worthy enough to keep. And that was just going on five years ago. Crazy. That's wild. And unfortunately, the drafts haven't been too well since then. They have not. They have not. So next up, Ian Cunningham is the name that's getting a lot of float among NFL circles. A lot of fan bases are wanting. I said too well. Ian I meant too good. Sorry, <laughs> just caught myself on that. I said too well. Not I meant to say too good. Sorry, but go on, Dan. You're good. No, Ian Cunningham is a name. Uh, probably got most of his notoriety from the Eagles. Again, just like Alex Alec Halloween that we just saw. Kurt assistant GM for the Bears, but had three stints with the Eagles with three different jobs, director of college scouting, upgraded to assistant director, player personnel, upgraded again to director, player personnel, and started off with the Ravens, actually, 2013, 2016, as an area scout. Again, we're talking talent evaluator. And then from there, talking college to pros, director of player personnel. So he's in charge. Of who's on the roster. And look at those teams. Again, Ravens, Eagles, then got promoted already to Ian, to Ian, (laughs) to assistant GM for the Bears. Yeah, we're talking proven culture, proven success, winning organizations. Ian Cunningham is another one. Dan, before the shift kind of went to Howie Roseman as being deemed as one of the best GMs in the NFL for a long, long time. Ozzie Newsom owned that title. And that's who Ian Cunningham got to learn as an area scout under between 2013 and 2016. Ozzie Newsom was phenomenal when it came to the draft and finding value. So you get a chance to learn from historically one of the best And then you move on to spending these last several years with currently one of the best. And now, of course, has moved on to the Bears. But yes, Dan, it's the pedigree. It's the experience. It's who you've gotten the opportunity to learn from during this duration. Um, Eagles and Ravens, those those are two teams that build out their rosters pretty damn well. So uh, I, I think Ian Cunningham would actually be be a great fit. He's he's definitely probably 2A. I, I would say there's probably something that's right neck and neck with him, right behind Adam Peters if we were ranking these right now. But I, I really like Cunningham's pedigree. Um, and again, I think the people that he's learned from is, is, the, is the vision that you want to take Justin Herbert into these next five years of his career. Yeah, I'm going to read an article. I'm going to read a snippet from this article. Uh, the 33rd team had a really interesting piece about Ian Cunningham. And they had talked about him and a quote that they had in there about from Brian Baldinger, who knows his stuff about the NFL. 
And there's another guy on this list who also came from the Aussie Newsome School of Scouting, a.k.a. the Baltimore Ravens. This is from this article. Guys who learned and trained under Aussie, it was like getting a law degree from Harvard, said Baldinger, an NFL Network analyst. He was hard on those guys, but gave them the leeway to show what they could do. Ozzy and the guys that trained under him, they're not like many other guys. Even in the Ravens' heyday, if you went to practice, Ozzy seldom was on the field. He'd be in a shed with the lawnmowers watching practice. He felt it wasn't his job to be in the spotlight. Learned at the Aussie Newsom School of Scouting. <laughs> and that's like getting the law degree from Harvard. That's Ian Cunningham for you. You said 2A. I think a lot of guys would be very excited to have Ian Cunningham on the roster as GM calling shots. Now, we've talked about winners, but I don't think there's anyone that can have as many feathers in their cap for winning success as an organization than this next one. Mike Braganzi, Adam, I, can't, I don't know, I can't read Adam, assistant GM, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> Adam GM, assistant GM for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been with the Chiefs for a while, and all he has to show for it is Patrick Mahomes, two Super Bowls, four AC Championship games, and a roster that continuously steals, steals, <laughs> steals, steals in the draft. And these guys start for them late round picks and this team just keeps winning. Now you could say sure a lot of it the success is because of Patrick Mahomes you can't argue about the successes they've had late rounds these past five years in finding evaluating talent in putting them out there to win. Building a scheme thank you Andy Reid to get these guys on the field and let them shine. Seven straight AFC West titles down. Seven straight. It's disgusting from the standpoint as a Chargers fan that you, yeah, you have to you have to acknowledge that. That's just how good they've been. And even if you think about it before Patrick Mahomes, those two years with or those few years with Alex Smith before he ultimately ended up leaving the Chiefs, the Chiefs were still rolling out a pretty good roster then. Not obviously as dominant as they are today, but that's the difference when you are able to link and innovative and collaborative GM along with Andy Reid. These are your results. So for Mike Braganzi, again, this is tenure here, Dan. Look how long he has been with this organization and obviously through some of the best years that this organization has ever seen. Seven straight divisional titles, two Super Bowls. It's, it's really hard to get around that. And as you said, Dan, you talk about finding talent in the rounds beyond round one. The Chiefs do that extremely well, extremely well. And yes, it would kind of be beneficial from the standpoint of you being able to pilfer from your divisional opponents to try to get a leg up on them in certain aspects because the way that the Chiefs build rosters and the way that the Chargers have built rosters over the past 11 years has been extremely different and you see the results of which one wins. <laughs> And in a year where you're seeing the Chiefs offense largely look the worst it's looked since he's been, since he being Patrick Mahomes has been at the helm. Of course, the Chiefs go and build a defense that's like making them win in spite of the offense. Like the whole NFL is like, you got to be kidding me, man. Again, like this team, Tyreek Hill was there. They let let Tyreek Hill go and they still win a championship without him. Like, some of the stuff that this guy has done with this organization is just silly in the best of ways. Director of football operations, director of player personnel before that, director of pro scouting before that, a personnel scout before that. Again, we're talking talent evaluators and player personnel savant. Like, that's what he is. And as an AFC West opponent, it sucks sitting here have to talk about the success of the Chiefs and the guys that they brought in and say, hey, can't beat them, bring them. Bring them over. Bring Chiefs' success all over to L.A. See what we can do. This next one, Jake, this is kind of a fun one. And a lot of people aren't talking about Joe Hortis, director of player personnel for the Ravens. 
he's been with them for a long time. I want to say he's been with them for 20 years. He is like God <coughs> for the Ravens and their drafting strategy. Like he runs the show there for who they draft, why they draft, how they draft. And again, go look at the guys they draft and go look how that team is built. They have gone from defensive oriented to offensive oriented, back to defensive oriented. It's not just one way that that team has won. And again, winning cultures. The Ravens have been in the hunt the entire time. They have shown playoff success. They have consistency and leadership at both the GM level and the head coach level. And a steady hand for drafting talent. And oh, by the way, Jake, their draft strategy is freaking fun. They move all over the place. That would be a hell of a ride for Jake Hefner. <laughs> I was just thinking about this, Dan, because eventually we'll get into obviously the head coaching candidates of this. But wouldn't it be almost poetic for Joe Hart- Hortis to go from one Harbaugh to another? You don't think that Jim has picked his brother's brain a little bit in, in terms of how they integrate, collaborate, how they do work? It's probably the same Christmas party. So like you have to change that. <laughs> something something like that. You you know, after after he got out of San Francisco during that first stint, I'm sure he's had some conversations about front office people from time to time. So wouldn't that be funny if one hardball to another? Hey, we'll take it. And again, we're we're going through some of these names. And and there are some names we'll go through like honorable mentions here later on. So one name you're not going to see here is Bill Belichick. Because honestly, Jake, I do not want Bill Belichick as the GM of this team. That's the key word. As the GM of this team. Bill Belichick is not coming to LA unless he gets roughly $20 million in his pocket per year and the GM title. I could be wrong. If he'll come here and be just the head coach... Still have questions, but he won't. He won't. So that's why he's not on this list. He's. I don't want him as a GM. Get what he's done in the draft. It's not good. It's not good. That's why he's getting fired. (laughs) (laughs) That's why. That's why Dan has to go in creepy whisper mode to (laughs) emphasize how much he doesn't want Bill Belichick. Opposite end of the spectrum, though, Will McClay. You want to talk about talent evaluator? Good lord! And I know a lot of times, like the Cowboys and the Chargers, have lost similarities with ways that they have miraculously blown up, and they've miraculously failed and lost these crazy games. I get all that, but good lord, is that roster stacked? And I mean, case in point, Trayvon Diggs goes out. They've got a defensive coordinator who could be a Chargers head coaching candidate. They've got a cornerbacks coach who could be a possible Chargers defensive coordinator candidate. Micah Parsons. That defensive line stacked. And then the backup to Trayvon Diggs has a record for most pick sixes in the NFL. And oh, by the way, Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, the list goes on and on and on. Will McClay, say what you will about the Cowboys' lack of Super Bowl wins and all that jazz as of late. I don't think it's because of how they draft. Like, this guy started out with scouting, went into football research, became director player personnel. Look at this tenure, too, Dan. That's over 20 years with the same organization and moving yourself up. And according to... Uh, the team's media guide. Not only is he an integral part of the draft decision-making process, but this should make Charger fans happy because whenever there is a free agent or a possible trade candidate, how many times have we seen Chargers Twitter blow up saying, Tom Telesco, make the move. Go out and get somebody. Do it. Sign somebody. (laughs) 
Well, apparently, Will McClay is very integral when it comes to free agent and trade decision making for the Cowboys. What so he is the one. Jerry Jones' biggest confidence yeah. in the entire so, organization. If that's something that you would like the new Chargers GM to do, Will McClay has experience in it. Yeah. And I think that the one thing is, like, do you find any reason to shy away from someone who isn't in at least, like, who isn't an assistant GM? Like, he doesn't have that on his resume. No. And, and some of these guys don't. No, but again, if you're if you're talking about casting a wide net, you look at everything. I think it's more from the standpoint of when you get down to the interview process to find out how much responsibility did you have in X. Mm-hmm. What did you do in a situation with this? Mainly, you know, just job interview questions that you would ask. But in this circumstance, in terms of building out an NFL team and what the Chargers need because of lack thereof results that you have had so far over the better part of a decade. Yeah, these are it. And and again, I know from titles can be titles, but what is your actual responsibility and decision-making in the process of the front office? That's what the Chargers are going to have to weed out. Obviously, I'm not talking about hiring a regional scout to GM, but you get my point here. Yes, and, and I'm like I think similar to the head coaching decisions they have. I think a lot of people want to see someone with experience. They want to see an experienced head coach come in. I don't necessarily know if people want to see someone that doesn't have some sort of general manager experience or at least assistant GM. I don't know. So if we're looking at the pros and cons of some of these guys, look at that who has experience actually doing the job. This one, I think, for me, Jake, is probably... I don't know. Mm. I Okay. He's definitely in my top two. Hmm. I'm not sure if he's one or two yet. Adam Peters is there, but Andy Weidel, I'm telling you, we talk about what we're looking for in general managers does anybody see a pattern (laughs) does anybody see a pattern the Steelers obviously saw a pattern when they hired him as the assistant GM look you give me you tell me that there is somebody out there who is an assistant general manager for the Pittsburgh Steelers who has been with the Eagles was their director of director and VP of player personnel for five years then before that was with the Ravens. And then before that was with the Saints. I don't really need to see much else for a resume to get him in there for a conversation. And that's Andy Weidel. We're not talking about, like, I'm not even talking about the guys they've drafted or brought in free agency or the guys they've looked at for evaluation. That resume alone is damn intriguing. And you see how much praise and respect that he has in Pittsburgh right now. The level of consistency and culture and success and vision and leadership. There's so many accolades that you can put on those four franchises from a leadership perspective, from a team management perspective, roster construction, vision, hunger consistent like so many things and he's been to all of them i'm torn between he and peters but andy andy weidel's up above most on my list there was a piece that was written at just before the beginning of this season dan sure i think it was after the draft obviously after all of the Hirings had been done for front office and head coaches. And people started asking Andy Weidel about him being a potential GM candidate in 2024. His response was, I'm not so sure about that because they pay me a lot and they listen to me. <laughs> so I know that's not the best type of 
answer you want to be talking about in this type of circumstance. I just thought it was hilarious to, it may be harder than you think to sever ties from where he's at in the Steelers at the Steelers, because he seems pretty happy. Look, man. I mean, he has high praise, highly respected. I mean, Mike Tannenbaum's talked about how much he's respected. We've talked about what he has been with, like some of these organizations. He's come from the Ozzie Newsome school. He's he's seen that side. He's done the Pittsburgh thing. Brian Baldinger has talked about how much he has earned respect and is as qualified as anybody out there, says Baldinger. He's pretty polished right now. He knows how to do the whole media gauntlet thing that a GM has to be able to do. Ben in Philly, Ben in Baltimore, Ben in Pittsburgh, Ben in New Orleans. And he has a big say with all of them. I'm I'm bringing that guy in for a conversation. And I hope to see the Chargers do this. And that's the char- hard part about this, Jake, is like, you know, who are we, right? And they can go off in a whole different direction, but there's so many guys that they can look at. And gals, which we'll talk about. Hope they do something right. We'll see. I mean, that's the thing. This is a big, big decision. This is a big one. So, honorable mentions. Th- these are kind of the top that we have. Again, Proven track record from successful organizations with talent procurement, talent evaluations, roster construction, creativity, aggressiveness, success, championships, like all that stuff, right? That's what the Chargers are desperately after right now. This is our list. Jake, any other candidates? I'm sure there are a thousand of them, but any other candidates that we got to want to shine over real quick? Well, I think from a standpoint of familiarity, now, I'm not necessarily the biggest advocate of this, but you have to throw JoJo Wooden's name into consideration simply just from the GM pool and being an honorable mention. He's now obviously the interim GM for this team. Um, I mentioned this, by the way. He he was recently thrown actually in the uh, NFL front office accelerator program to base, there was a list of 32 teams and they all had a front office representative that they were throwing into this program. Jojo Wooden is not unfamiliar with interviewing for GM jobs before because he has done it over the past two years. Chicago looked at him. Washington looked at him. Um, so he's got a lot of experience with this team. Now, here's where both Dan and I have some trepidation on this. And if you follow the tea leaves as far as a new quote unquote vision while he can't necessarily be discounted because of that familiarity with the team, if you're going in a different direction that's outside of the umbrella that was under Tom Telesco, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that that would constitute the new vision, if you will. Again, remember, we're looking, we need a new vision, was what Dean Spano said. The main question is, how is JoJo Wooden a new vision? Again, he might he I might have it, he might have his fair. he might have his own, and I, I'm totally not trying to be disrespectful or unfair totally. to him because I totally get the the aspect of it. Hundred percent. But if if you're looking to build this franchise for the next five years of Justin Herbert's career, you ask yourself, where would you want to start? And, and like, you know, there's arguments that could go the other way too. Like, oh, well, homegrown talent. You let walk out the door. You saw what happened with Shane Steichen. You see some players that have gone the other way. Like, I, I get it. I get it. And I'm not saying I'm completely dismissing him as an option. Like, let take away all of the, I think, the public optics that they'd have challenges with. Like, just imagine, imagine for a second, if the Chargers go, regardless of what, Chargers decide they elect JoJo Wooden as a new GM. The national media would have a frenzy. How is that going to fix the vision? Like, not even, I don't know if it's right, but like the optics and the national narrative immediately goes back to square one, fair or unfair. So there's just a lot of questions there. And it's probably unfair. It's probably not giving him a fair shake. I just have a lot of questions and it's just 
don't know. That's what my gut says. But I know how well he's respected in the NFL. You see his name come up with a whole bunch of GM candidates for 2024 for good reason. It's just it feels like it's too close to the fire. I, th- I think, Jake, I'm speaking for both of us here. Um, but I hope he's balling out as a GM somewhere because like he deserves it. And sometimes just not the right place, not the right time. There's some GM candidates out there in Cleveland who have brought some great success and great roster and great draft picks and stuff. Colts got some. But again, what are the Colts won? What are the Browns won? That's why they're not on the list. So let's do a bunch of names here, Jake. Anything else GM related? No, I don't think like I think maybe I asked you a question and I just answered it for you. I'm sorry. But like Jim Harbaugh, like people talk about him. I don't think that he would be, would he be a GM for this team? Like, would he ask for that? I don't know if he would necessarily be the pseudo GM, but you better believe that he is going to ask for control of the roster. And really, how could you argue with not giving it to him? Agreed. Based on what he's done during his college career. To have, to have that firsthand knowledge of guys that not only he's played with, but other players in the league. Yes. Yes. You can't. How much, you can't but how much control you're giving him, though? Like how, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how it necessarily works out with, with title and this, that, and the other and associated responsibilities. But if it was me and you're, quote, unquote, looking for a new vision, maybe that might be a good idea. But a GM would still need to be hired, is what you're saying, though, right? Yes, yes. Okay. There would still that's there would still technically, I would think, be a pseudo GM strictly just because the Chargers are not the Patriots, and this is the way that the Chargers have run things for years. Where most so, organizations run things. Yes. So yes, I still I still believe that even if you gave those responsibilities to Harbaugh, there would still be a GM that would come in and fill that role. Hundred percent. Yeah, and. Who was the he has connections with NFL people for GM back when he was with the Niners? Ed Dodds, who's who's the uh representative of the Colts. This was actually I didn't even know this, but I heard this on NFL Stock Exchange. And it was only it was seriously just in the one year that in between when Harbaugh was part of the Oakland Raiders front office, and that was before he went to back to college. <laughs> to do his his coaching tenures, which is which is really interesting, way back in the day. So apparently they have some historical ties, but some people were kind of just connecting the dots to say, oh, that might make a good seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a nice case for head coach and GM pairing, strictly because of that. Let's go back and let's find all these little things. They crossed paths on a train and a Harlem right. seventeen years ago. They gotta be chaotic. Exactly. He was eating lunch. His bologna fell in my face, and somehow we're connected. <laughs> <laughs> but the bologna was delicious. Let me tell yes. you. Yes. Uh, That's for so- Chargers Unleashed after hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So lots here, and I'm curious what folks think. Who's your GM candidate of choice? Uh, a lot to be had. And I think timeline, that's probably the last thing, Jake. When will this decision start to come to fruition? Like, realistically, when can the Chargers even look at GM candidates? GM candidates, I'm, I'm not sure. I would, I mean, I would think now because you have JoJo Wooden installed as an interim GM you're going to get through the remainder of the season with him at that as that same title. I'm not so sure that you start taking interviews before the actual season ends. From what or we before heard, t- or before team seasons end that they have yes, been yes, from and for for you know you're going to get a number of teams that you're able to start doing interviews with come towards that last week of the season as it gets a little bit further out for certain teams. <clears throat> Uh, a couple of guys that we named on this list, teams that are either on a first week bye or contending for some of those top playoff spots that are going to be going for the championships, you may have to wait a little bit longer. But from this, the comments that Spanos had made, it doesn't sound like they have a specific time ho- timeline that they're looking for. Yeah, they're not in a hurry. They want to get it they're right. They're not pigeonholing themselves into any type of spot here. And when they have to hire someone, good, which is good. 
which is good. good. Good news for me, though. If the if the Pittsburgh Steelers continue this precipitous drop off to very very low, they've what three games in a row they've lost. Andy Weidel could be available <laughs> after Week 18. And by the way, Mike Tomlin, too possibly. That's for the head coaching episode, and that's a whole other <laughs> argument in itself. <laughs> Where that'll be a doozy. Uh, yes. Anything else, Jake? I know we went a little long here, but a lot of guys to talk about. No, and this is this is. This is just how the, the few of the people that Dan and I identified of. Please, in the comments, leave your guys' best GM options. Tell Dan and I that we are wrong because of XYZ. And tell us how you would rank the GM candidates. How would you build this team if you were Dean Spanos? And no, you cannot use the answer, sell the team. <laughs> Please build the team out the way that you would do it. I'm already predicting it. You're going to see a lot of DJ in here. A lot of Daniel Jeremiah, which I would love, honestly. I just, he's got a pretty cush life right now. Would, and honestly, this is, this is just me being selfish. He's just so good when it comes to covering <laughs> the NFL draft. He makes the draft more enjoyable for me to watch. So like for that reason alone, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I want him in a front <laughs> office. Don't, don't take him. Don't, please don't take him off. The NFL this is low hanging fruit, Jake, but hell, the NFL network. And the affiliates might pay him more to cover right. the NFL draft. Right. Than exactly. the Arizona's GM. They're saying they're saying to him, look, we already lost Mike McC- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, what am I thinking of? Um, oh my God. The guy that went to the Raiders. Yes. I don't, I don't know why I totally just lost his name. Mike Mayock. There we totally go. we already lost, lost Mike Mayock. We can't lose you now. <laughs> we'll pay you a double with the charges. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so a great bargaining tool. If I'm TJ. I'm getting some more money out of this for sure. Sure. <laughs> Not that he needs it. Um, cool. Well, that's going to do it. A lot of fun. Crazy time. Again, dawn of a new era for the Chargers organization, franchise. Hopefully they can get it right. But the great news, these days keep ticking. Before you know it, it's going to be January, whatever, 8th, 9th. NFL season will be over for the Chargers. And Not going fast enough. They get to talk draft picks. Which, whew. A bunch of exciting stuff coming up for not only Chargers topics, but also for Chargers Unleashed. So be on the lookout. We have some updates to share. Always looking at ways to kind of bring more perspective, more fresh ideas, more personality, more people that can be told that they don't know what they're talking about. And that's what we live for. (laughs) And so stay tuned. And none of it would be able to be done without the Chargers Unleashed fans, Chargers fans, and critics. We love you all. But until then, I don't want to say let's go Buffalo, but I'm really rooting for the Bills to get in and go crazy in the playoffs. So hopefully the Buffaloes can go nuts come playoff time. But until then, for Jake Hafner, Dan Wilkenstein, LAFB, and Chargers Unleashed, this has been a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.